This is Neil Erwitz. I'm here today with Alan Goldenberg, who's the director of CNAS's Middle East Security Program. We're here to talk about the protests in Iran. Thanks, Alan. Hey, great to be here. So, what what is happening now? We've heard about these protests. What what is going on? What are these protests about? Well, it's still not 100% clear, and we have to, I think, first and foremost approach the whole situation with a sense of humility uh, as people who are not actually physically on the ground. But from what we can tell, looks like protests started a few days ago, not in Tehran, not sort of in the traditional liberal areas where you might expect protests, but off in other parts of the country, uh, really initially potentially uh, um, put together by hardliners against President Rouhani, who's more of a pragmatic figure. That was the initial plan it looked like, and then the protests got out of control and shifted very quickly from being anti-Ruhani and anti-reformist to being anti-regime overall, with protests against the Supreme Leader and the overall Islamic Republic. So here we are now six days in, uh, and you have these pockets of protests across the country in traditional conservative strongholds, uh, which is fascinating and, and really unprecedented. And are these big protests? Do we have a rough sense of size? I don't think I, I don't have a, a good sense of size now. You know, in 2009, uh, when we had the Green Movement, the last major set of protests in Iran, you're talking hundreds of thousands. Uh, it doesn't look like the numbers are at that level, but the difference was those numbers were all in, in North Tehran and sort of the upper middle class areas where you might expect this type of thing. This seems to be reaching a much broader portion of the population or uh, more working class, which, which lends its own interesting and unique flavor to it. So then these are fundamentally different than the Green Revolution. Yeah, I think they are. Again, still too early to tell, but it's, again, just by monitoring a lot of Iranians on Twitter, you, you see things like the fact that most people who are in the Green Revolution don't necessarily know people who have been out protesting in the streets, and that just gives you a bit of an indicator uh, of the, the types of folks who are doing it. Um, but it's unclear if this is going to catch on if it's going to expand and start to hit also this other, you know, if you have both this broader base of the population and you get the, the Green Revolution types and, and uh, you can see a broader protest movement and what the implications of that are. Thus far, the government has started to crack down. You've had a number of deaths, um, but you haven't had the full crackdown. The government's trying to modulate its response to not trigger a massive um, a massive blowback, though right now there's no there's no indicator that they're restraining themselves completely or that they that if they need be you know, this regime has shown a willingness to crack down very harshly if it must. Yeah, I remember the besiege at the, you know, from 2009. Mm -hmm. So this strikes me as an opportunity for the U.S. somewhat. What should the U.S. response be? Sure. Well, there's a, lot, a few things the U.S. can do. First of all, I do think we need to recognize that we're not the main player in all of this. Uh, Iran is a huge society country you know, roughly 80 million people, we're not going to be the ones who turn the tide one way or the other. Uh, there's a few things we can be doing, I think, that are positive. Uh, the first is I think it's good to be publicly out there supporting Iranian protesters, making clear that the world is watching, making clear that there will be consequences if there is a violent crackdown in order to try to protect the protesters. Now, the reality is there's only so much that can be done doing that. Uh, as I said, uh, but there's also nothing wrong with doing that. I mean, some argue, well, that just makes the protesters targets, allows the, the Iranian regime to, to claim that, that 
this is all an American-led conspiracy or a Western conspiracy. I mean, in my view, they were going to claim that no matter what anyway. We should both recognize that, that speaking up, we should speak up if it's the right thing to do and what we believe in. Uh, and President Trump, to his credit, has been out there on Twitter doing just that. Uh, but we should also be realistic about what the consequences of and how much influence we have. Um, there's other things we can do, try to get try to make these statements together with European partners, try to signal to the Iranians more broadly the isolation they would face if they cracked down violently. Um, there's also American companies and Western companies operating in Iran, um, especially tech companies that sometimes fuel communication in these types of countries, and trying to pressure them to keep their platforms open, to not give in to uh, government pressure from the Iranian government, uh, and so to allow the protesters to communicate. Those are the types of things I think we can be doing to send a positive signal. Great. And what are the implications then for uh, the JCPOA? I mean, it seems like that's always on the razor's edge right now. Is this going to have an effect on it? So in my view, you know, what I would like to see is I believe we can both support the Iranian protesters and keep the nuclear agreement, which is in our national interest to keep the Iranian nuclear program constrained. I'm afraid that's not what's going to happen. I think that the protests could significantly increase the likelihood that the United States walks away from the nuclear agreement. Uh, we have actually have a deadline in just 10 to 15 days where President Trump needs to sign a whole bunch of documents. Well, the Secretary of State needs to sign a whole bunch of documents, but the President needs to essentially waive a whole bunch of sanctions and make sure they're not implemented. Uh, this was part of the nuclear agreement, requires the President every 120 days to waive U.S. sanctions uh, and keep the deal in place instead of reimposing those sanctions. And there was always going to be an open question about whether the president decided to do that or not. Uh, even though you know folks like H.R. McMaster and Jim Mattis and Rex Tillerson all support uh, keeping the Iran deal alive and not walking away unilaterally, there's always been a question about what the president would do. Yeah. And in this already dicey context, now he's tweeting out every day about support for the Iranian people and opposition to the JCPOA. I could see it increasing the likelihood that he just says, no, I'm not doing this. Um, how can I both waive the sanctions and tweet my support for the Iranian people? And he might also convince himself that maybe the Iranian government is on the brink of collapse, and if only the sanctions were reimposed, it would cause its collapse. That's possible. It's not the most likely scenario in my view. Uh, I think more likely is uh, the nuclear agreement just falls apart. And if anything, in this environment, you know, the question is how strongly does Iran react if the U.S. walks away from the nuclear deal? And if it's then in an environment where Iran is facing a lot of domestic pressure and it can distract by taking an over-the-top response to the United States, it will. So mm -hmm. I think this is a very dicey moment uh, for the nuclear agreement. And nobody's really talking about that now, but they might be in about 10 days or so. Well, then there'll be a lot to talk about in 10 days. Thanks so much, Alon. Really appreciate it. Absolutely.